1: In the last episode of Wicked and Grim, we discussed part one of Ruby Ridge. Today, we expand further and dive into part two. My name's Ben.
0: And I'm Nicole, and you're listening to Wicked and Grim,
1: a true crime podcast. I want to start off and just let everyone know there may be some noises from our mics today. We have new microphone stands and are trying to get used to them. So if you Mm -hmm. hear things like this. We're sorry. We are very sorry. (laughs) We're trying to get used to them. We will do our best to make Absolutely no noise with them.
0: I feel like, well, they're tabletop mics. So they're, I feel like a little bit more sensitive to.
1: They are. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we got these so we can actually get ready to record the episodes for video and put them Mm -hmm. up on YouTube. So this way our mics are out of our face.
0: Pretty exciting. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that we're, we're getting really close. We're going to be recording some episodes here and we'll let you know when it's available over on YouTube. If you want to go subscribe early, feel free to check it out. It's Wicked Life linked down below. We're doing vlogs and stuff over there too. So. Yeah. Um, we also got to thank some patrons. We do. We have two to thank. We do. So we have Joe Burrow and Julia Schroeder. Awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. They both signed up and are getting that extra behind the scenes content. Uh, we just did a little pre-show that we uploaded over on Patreon. Uh, it wasn't that really that
0: little. It was like 13 minutes. Fair <laughs> enough.
1: When we do a pre-show, our target is about like 10 minutes, just like a little warm up, you know, checking the mic levels and just bullshit and shooting the shit.
0: We had a uh, lot to say.
1: I guess so. I -hmm. guess so. So if you want to go check that out, you can check it out over on Patreon. But I know Nicole is really antsy. I
0: know. The day has come. For? Part two. Of? Shit, I forget what it's called. (laughs) What's it called? The
1: Ruby Ridge incident.
0: Okay. I probably would not have remembered that. But anyway, we left kind of like at quite the scene. And um, this has been on my mind all week.
1: We did leave it quite the scene and apparently, I got in shit a few times from Nicole because this has (laughs) been not an easy one for her to get through apparently.
0: I had to resist the urge to look up anything.
1: Did you, were you contemplating it?
0: Um, maybe for like a brief second. Wow. I didn't though.
1: Well, I'm glad you didn't. Um, I'm going to do a little quick recap. Um, just like a, like a. Twenty second little like in your face. Here's what happened mm-hmm. last episode. Uh, so in part one, we discussed Randy Weaver and his family. We talked about how he and his wife Vicky had moved to an isolated ridge, which is now dubbed Ruby Ridge, to live off grid and raise a family together. However, despite uh, a dispute with neighbors and an undercover. FBI agent who managed to coerce Randy into selling illegal firearms, um, had him in quite a tough spot. He was facing charges and refused to work out a deal with the FBI as an informant. This unfortunately led Randy to missing his trial and seeking refuge in his secluded property. Authorities knew Randy could be ready to fight at any moment and tried to apprehend him. So, by doing so, they began intense surveillance and even sent a military reconnaissance team with M16 rifles fully kitted up in ghillie suits. The team closed in on the home, a cabin perched in the middle of their property, and attempted to gain uh, the family dog Striker's attention by throwing a rock. The plan worked, and they got Striker's attention. And now the dog, along with Randy's son Sammy and a family friend Kevin, who was living with them, uh, and they were headed out of the house and headed straight towards the concealed men with rifles in hand.
0: Gosh. Okay. And just so the, when he missed his court hearing, that was because the parole officer had told him the wrong date, though, too, right? Correct. Yeah. So see, there's, there's so many pieces to this that just seems so almost unfair, I guess.
1: So. Oh, it's, it's a big case. Yeah. And like you say, it is very unfair
0: to say yeah. the least. Okay, so Frig, I, oh, now that we're here, I'm almost just like, shit. You're just nervous? I don't know if I want to know what happens. Well, I don't feel like it's going to be good. No? No.
1: Okay, well, well I'm going to divulge what happened, and I'm going to tell you if it was good or bad. Well, I'm sure you can hear that for yourself, but uh, here we go. You ready? Yeah. Okay, let's do this. So, as the two boys and the dog were headed in the direction of the reconnaissance team, the marshals hiding in the bush, um, they initially... The reconnaissance team initially withdrew the defense into the woods. So the boys were coming out of the cabin with guns in hands and the dog coming as well. And they kind of backed up and headed back towards the, the bush. Okay. Um, so they hadn't been seen yet, but they managed to reach a pivotal Y junction on a trail. And this was positioned about 500 yards west of, the, of their cabin. However, the dog striker was now sniffing about and knowing something was going, around, going wrong or someone was around. So Sammy and Kevin trailed behind him through this thick foliage. Now, the following events are debated to this day with conflicting accounts from the agents and the weavers on what exactly led the unfolding events. But we're going to go with the events that are most recognized as truth. Okay. Okay. Yep. Fair. So according to the agents, one scout claimed to have shouted, quote, back off US Marshal. Upon seeing Sammy Weaver approaching, while another asserted to have shouted, Stop, US Marshal, as they approached. Whatever the case, it was roughly a minute later when Sammy and Stryker emerged from the trees near one of the marshals, with the dog Stryker approaching one of the concealed marshals who was hiding in a bush. In this critical moment, that very marshal opened fire upon the dog from his concealed position as he apparently feared Stryker was going to attack him, and he fatally <gasps> shot him, all on a whim. No. Yes, he opened, fired, and killed Stryker.
0: Just like that?
1: Just like that.
0: Oh my gosh, I'm pissed.
1: Yeah. The dog. The dog. Anyone? The. If anyone knows Nicole at all, you never hurt the animals.
0: Well, no. <clears throat> and
1: they were the ones that provoked the dog. They were. They were the ones who threw the rock at a cabin to get the dog's attention. Yeah. So now the dog is, hey, you have my attention. What's up? And they shot him.
0: And the dog literally has no idea what is going on with anything. Correct. Whole, just knows that someone's on the, okay. Oh yeah. I'll keep listening. Well, and not only this,
1: Sammy is standing right there and watched his dog get (gasps) shot.
0: Oh, I I would actually probably lose my mofo mind.
1: Striker got shot right in front of his eyes by something that was just hiding in a bush. So Sammy didn't even know who or what shot his Holy dog. shit. He did yell out, quote, you've killed my dog, you son of a bitch. And then he aimed his rifle into the underbrush in the direction from the concealed shot. And he pulled the trigger.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. That is, um, it's getting wild here, but honestly- Like, okay, maybe I shouldn't keep talking, but if I was armed and in this situation, I would lose my shit too. Well, and put
1: it this way, you're probably only assuming that you're next. You don't know who's in the bush. You don't see them. This is a kid who watched his dog get shot and is now in a self-defense position because he has no idea who's in there.
0: Well, the, yeah. And that dog is like a family member.
1: Yeah. Now the, as I mentioned earlier, the marshals did allege that one of them shouted back off U.S. Marshall and the other one shouted stop U.S. Marshal." But no one can clarify. It's just these two just saying, yeah, I said something.
0: Well, well and to a kid, what that what does that mean even?
1: Even if they did? Yeah. Even if they did, how do they know if he heard them? Yeah. Clearly probably not because the kid kept pursuing
0: but would a 10 year old kid also even know what that means? I don't know. Like, I don't know if I would have at 10, I'd be like, cool. Yeah.
1: I don't know if Sammy's 10. I'm not sure of his age to be fair. Oh,
0: okay. I don't know why I thought 10. No, okay. well, I I'm
1: do kid. know he is, he is a younger kid about that age, but I don't know if he is 10 per se. He's probably, he might, could be around 15 or something for all I, I am okay. sure of. I didn't actually look up his, his age. Um, but with the shots now being fired from two different directions, Kevin, um, quickly dove to find cover behind a tree stump. And he retaliated with a single unnamed shot into the bush, kind of there's firing happening over here. I'm just returning fire because they are, I mean, under siege, we just went over this with, Hey, some strange person in the bush is shooting at us. And when Kevin shot into the bush, he hit one of the marshals and killed (gasps) deputy U S marshal, William Francis, AKA bill Deegan.
0: Oh, man. Is that the one that killed the dog or is that a different one? I wonder. Hey,
1: Um, I'm not too sure.
0: Okay, but geez, it's dark out. They're like disguised. Mm -hmm. This is a freaking disaster.
1: Yeah. So now responding to the gunfire upon them, the marshals once again shot in the direction of the boys and Sammy Weaver was shot in the arm. Now being shot himself, he quickly turned and attempted to flee up the hill towards the house where he'd come from. However, another shot rung out from the marshals and hit Sammy square in the back and dropped him to the ground dead.
0: Seriously?
1: Yes. They shot him in
0: the back. Oh my gosh. Okay. And this is the actual son, right? The, not- Correct. Okay. Th- yeah. This has just gotten real out of hand here. I don't think this should be okay at all.
1: No. Subsequent ballistic analysts later on revealed that a total of 19 rounds were discharged during the intense confrontation.
0: Whoa. I mean, I knew something kind of like this maybe would have gone down, but this is brutal. It's
1: intense. I can't imagine being in that situation, let alone a child or a kid or a teen being mm-hmm. in that situation. Um, Kevin, understandably, is now like, scared shitless so he got to his feet and he managed to run back to the cabin in the whole aftermath of the firefight and when he got to the cabin apparently the cries and screams of the whole weaver family were like echoing through the woods as kevin actually told them the events of what happened and the fact that sammy was now dead
0: gosh
1: randy was apparently so overwhelmed with grief he was rolling on the floor pounding his fists and even went outside and was firing his gun into the air in a fit of rage Vicky, his wife, who's kind of like the, being the pillar of family strength in that moment, did her best to console her distraught husband and the rest of the family as well.
0: Wow. Well, I mean, they just, they literally just killed two of their family members. They did. Oh my gosh. Okay.
1: So the Weaver family soon managed to actually make their way out of the home and retrieve Sammy's lifeless body. Oh, geez. Meanwhile, the agents called for reinforcements and asserted that they were, quote, pinned down by gunfire and urgently needed assistance. I mean, strangely, despite their heightened surveillance around the property and also being right there, apparently pinned down. That's important because you, if you're pinned down in the same spot, you'd probably see your downed victim you just shot, right? Mm-hmm. The agents claimed they had no idea Sammy Weaver had died. <laughs>
0: They would have known where they were shooting, I feel like, because they would have had, I don't know, technology or, or whatever to be able to see in the dark and like see their target. Well, no, this is,
1: this is, this is not like in the, they did have um, like night vision and stuff like that that they were equipped with, but it was more so like through the trees and the bush and that sort of stuff was more so the problem. But the problem, a big thing here is they claimed they were pinned down by gunfire. Pinned down means you can't move. You're in this spot. You can't Mm -hmm. go anywhere. Hence why you need backup. However, they did not know Sammy died and the family was actually able to come to retrieve his body. So they did not see the family come up because they would have shot at them too. And they didn't see his, his dead body. They were not pinned down.
0: No. And they weren't, no one was armed at that, towards them at that moment, really.
1: Oh, they probably were. But if there was a firefight in the bush and your kid was just killed, I'm pretty sure you're walking out. But it's not the like they're
0: arm. like hunkered down and just like, you know. No,
1: they weren't being pinned down. No. Yeah. But they claimed they were. Jeez. Uh, so the reports of casualties um, and the weavers perceived as armed and dangerous, additional snipers and special agents were dispatched to the tents standoff. In a marked departure from the standoff rules of engagement, which typically mandates firing only when agents face imminent danger, which arguably that one, um, Marshall who shot the dog claims because he feared the dog could have attacked him. We'll just assume he's right on that. Okay. Because that's completely up for debate, but we'll just assume we'll give him the benefit of the doubt.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: assume that you can only fire when faced with imminent danger however the fbi decided to alter the rules in this scenario now now agents and snipers were authorized to shoot quote any adult male with a weapon if the shot can be taken without endangering children that's regardless of any immediate threat to the agents whatsoever the approval of legitimacy to this charge remains subject of debate there's some paperwork that says it was never approved, but they did it anyways. And someone, some saying that this guy is the one who, who told us to, but he's then going back and saying it didn't. It's a whole convoluted thing. But regardless, that was the situation at the time.
0: And that one boy should never have been shot. Really? No. There's no way no. that that would have been approved. I don't see, I can't see that.
1: In his, there was no th- immediate threat. His back was turned. He was running.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. That just gave me a visual. That's actually sad as hell. It really is. Oh. Now
1: the family was preparing to pray over Sammy's body before they buried him. um, And they currently had him in the birthing shed, the one that we had talked about in the mm -hmm. last episode. So Randy, Sarah, and Kevin uh, were armed as they needed to be. And unfortunately now they became the focus of the waiting snipers who were called in as backup. So these three were leaving the house to head out to the shed to where Sammy's body was. And as the three approached the shed to mourn, a shot rang off through the air and Randy was hit near his armpit by a sniper's bullet. Sarah quickly leapt, leapt into action and shielded her father from another shot as they rushed back towards the house where Vicky, his wife, held the door wide open with her 10-month-old uh, Elizabeth in her arms. Now, Randy and Sarah made it inside, but as Kevin entered, sniper Lon Hrucci fired again towards the open door of the house. While he claims he was aiming for Kevin, the bullet tragically hit another target first. Heartbreakingly, the shot tore through Vicki Weaver's face, killing her instantly before it followed through and hit Kevin in the chest.
0: Okay, so sorry, who is Vicki? Is that the mom?
1: That's Randy's wife, Yes. Kay. As she is holding <sighs> their 10-month-old child in her arms.
0: Holy shit. And it hit her where? In the face. So she's gone dead. Yeah. And then hit Kevin. In the chest. And isn't Kevin also a kid technically? I or think would he, he be considered an adult? He's
1: probably an adult because oh. a little bit of a spoiler alert here. He was tried later as an adult. Okay. So I'm not too certain on his age, but he is, not, he is definitely of an adult age. But he's still certainly young.
0: Oh my gosh, this just does not seem okay. This does not seem okay.
1: No, it's not.
0: So now the dog's dead, a kid's dead, and now the wife's dead as well.
1: Yep. And Randy and Sarah were now forced to drag Vicky's lifeless body into the house with her arms still wrapped around oh. and cradling the infant.
0: Good. Okay. Wow, goodness gracious.
1: So they laid her down in the kitchen and due to the family now being pinned down by military snipers in their home, this is where she would remain for several days.
0: Okay. (laughs) Oh, this just keeps getting worse.
1: Yeah. They couldn't leave the house.
0: And literally, oh my gosh, she's just like in front of the family, just having this, like she's, you know, decom decomposing. Like, oh, I can't even say it. Like I just yeah. okay. Oh, that's so so bad. It's horrible. Mhm. And then they weren't able to lay Sam to rest, like they nope. wanted either.
1: He's currently laying in the shed.
0: <sighs> okay.
1: So Kevin though was now gravely injured. He had a shot to the chest. And over the course of the following days while he was tended to, he pleaded with Randy to End his pain and misery. Randy, however, refused to give up on him.
0: Well, yeah, he needed medical attention, I guess.
1: He did, but they couldn't get it. They were pinned down. The only way they could do this was by handing themselves over to the FBI. And who knows what's gonna go on. Yeah. Yeah. Now get this though. This is really fucked up. You're gonna hate this. After the second confrontation... Federal agents armed with radio equipment, because remember, they had like speakers underneath this home. They had shit going all over, right?
0: Oh, so they would know the dire situation in there. Oh, they would. Holy fuck. Okay. But
1: but get this, armed with all this equipment, they taunted the besieged weavers by probing into their daily lives. The following morning, they took to the radio and speakers by saying very loudly to them, quote, we had pancakes for breakfast today. How about you, Vicky? What did you eat today? How did you sleep last night, Vicky?
0: Oh my gosh. Isn't that beyond fucked? That is just almost inhumane. This is, this is. Now
1: the FBI claimed they didn't know about Vicky's death, but again, they had the surveillance. They had a sniper who shot her in the face. They would have saw it. Bull. Shit! yeah,
0: they would have heard. Yeah. There's no way that they wouldn't have heard. There's no
1: way. Absolutely not. That
0: is disgusting. I am so fucking disgusted right now. This is.
1: So you're telling me a trained sniper wouldn't know he hit a target. Mm Mm-hmm. A trained military sniper.
0: A target that was literally holding a baby.
1: Yeah. And one that the family had to drag into the house and probably before they closed the door.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Man, this is so, I don't know why I was wanting to hear more of this. This is <laughs> fucked.
1: Now, in another odd turn, the agents actually deployed a robot to go up and try and connect with the family. However, the robot was carrying a phone, you know, to talk. Uh, as well, it was armed with a gun to establish communication. And Why the fuck does a robot have a gun?
0: Well, and who is supposed to go out to... Greet the robot because anyone that would, unless it's a child who could still probably be hurt, like they're not going to go out there.
1: Exactly. Like the whole Weaver family, everyone inside the house was extremely skeptical of this. Like this is a fucking trap. Even the agents aren't going to shoot us. Why the fuck does the robot have a gun? If I go out there and try and grab the phone, it's going to shoot me. Yeah. Or someone like it's.
0: Because in their mind too, the kids wouldn't, weren't even safe. No. So.
1: Yeah. Uh, So like they're skeptical because there's even radio reports now um, going out and like this is news radio reports, right? Like Mm -hmm. so the news knows about this and they are saying how Randy had killed a federal agent. But I mean it was Kevin who had shot into the bush in retaliation and self-defense and did kill one. So one agent is dead, Mm -hmm. but they are blaming it on Randy purposefully killing an agent.
0: Yeah, and they did not also probably state that one of the agents killed the kid. No. Who was running away no. of fear.
1: Or the mother who was holding a 10-month-old child. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're basically suspecting this is a whole trap and they're like, if we take any anything, it's probably gonna lead to our downfall or even a potential death, right? And of course, how are they gonna paint that in the public's eye? It's just, they knew they were fucked. They knew they were screwed. They didn't know what else to do. But eventually the standoff saw an individual by the name of Bo Gritz, who was a former renowned Green Beret. And if you remember from last episode, Randy went through Mm. Green Beret training. Mm -hmm. So Bo was called in to negotiate with Randy. Over three intense days, Bo succeeded in persuading Randy to come down from Mountain Home. The breakthrough came when Bo assured Randy of assistance in obtaining a complete and fair trial. That's what he wanted. Cause he knew if he just gives up, he's like, I'm going to be shot, killed. Who knows what they're going to paint me as. I'm just going to be locked away. What about my family? What about my home? All these questions, right? So Bo assisted in ensuring, no, you're going to get a fair trial. Mm-hmm. The evidence, everything, you name it.
0: Well, I mean, I can't imagine that this just amplified for him too, because now his kids, there's no one else. Yeah. They don't have a mom.
1: Correct. So. Bo did succeed in getting Randy to come down and Kevin was also safely brought down from the mountain for medical treatment and survived his injuries. That's good. On the second day of negotiations, Bo actually contacted uh, an attorney whose name is Jerry Spence, who expressed a serious interest in taking Randy's case. And I'm sure that would have been part of the negotiations of a fair trial as well. Yeah. Is I have this individual who's willing to, to potentially defend you. Right. Yeah. Uh, So on the day Randy surrendered, Uh, to law enforcement, he met with Jerry Spence, who Jerry, by the way, is known for his Western courtroom attire, which I absolutely fucking love. I just see him in like, in my head, I picture a cowboy hat and a bolo tie (laughs) and he's just loving life. Um, But more importantly, he's also known for never losing a criminal jury trial.
0: Oh, okay. So got a good lawyer.
1: Yes. Um, So Jerry began the meeting. Uh, He's not, I mean, he did actually represent him in court, but as of right now, They're just talking about representing, like, can Mm. I represent you? Are we going to take this, right? Okay. Um, So Jerry began the meeting um, by expressing his disagreement with how the Weaver's political and religious beliefs were. However, he emphasized his commitment to Randy's right to a fair trial. And after listening to Randy's story, he agreed to defend him in court for free.
0: Okay. So he obviously, if he thought that this was a losing battle he well, probably wouldn't have offered to do it. Probably not. Yeah, he knew that, that he had a strong case.
1: Yeah. But ev- not even necessarily a strong case, though, is... An, a th- I mean, I'm sure that was part of it, but a bigger part here, um, which I'm going to talk about here. I'll do it right now. Uh, so this next paragraph I have says, in a letter to a Jewish friend attempting to dissuade him from actually taking the case, the, the, the friend mm. was like, don't fucking take this case. Jerry actually asserted that the defense goes beyond um, what he's talking about because he didn't want him to take this case because, hey, Randy's a potential racist and all these groups he's a part of and stuff and very radical. Yeah. Um, so Jerry's like, this is beyond the whole radical and racial uh, racial separatism and everything that it may represent. This was about a whole greater concern of a government losing respect for an individual's rights. So it wasn't that he was defending him because he's like, we can win this. Mm-hmm. He's defending him because it's the right fucking thing to do.
0: Wow. Which honestly, with everything that Randy has gone through, like, thank goodness that he got this. 100%. he deserved that big time. Oh,
1: definitely. And for that alone, I want to make Jerry our badass of the day because that is fucking badass. Yeah. Not only is he taking this case, he's fighting against the government, he's doing it for free. He also stood up to a peer who's like, don't do this because, hey, he's racist against our people. He's Mm -hmm. like, it's not about that, bitch.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So, well, I feel like a lot of the lawyers too probably would have just ran for the hills. Probably. With this kind of case.
1: Yeah. Uh, so the trial of Randy Weaver and Kevin Harris, because Kevin was also being brought to court because, hey, he shot someone, right? Began on April 12th, 1993 in a heavily attended courtroom in Boise, Idaho. The courtroom had heightened security measures, including metal detectors, x-ray machines, and federal marshals who were armed and ready. It was all in anticipated because it was a very potentially heated Mm -hmm. trial right yeah so there could be potential issues so they wanted to make sure that they were ready for anything that could occur so the jury okay but i do have to say that's kind of also bullshit because at the same time it's like oh federal marshals are on the stand so we're gonna have federal marshals defend the court i know that's kind of biased, but hey
0: i did think that but i was like i'll just keep listening yeah
1: so Regardless, the jury was comprised of seven women and five men who are ranging from uh, age of 31 to 72 years old, including individuals with varied educational backgrounds from high school dropouts to MBAs. So they had quite the diverse jury at hand. That's good. In the prosecution's opening statement, attorney Howen and Lindquist portrayed Randy as a racist, planning to wage war against the government since 1982. They also painted him as a hate-filled extremist, emphasizing the threat of violence that he posed to the people around him. Representing Kevin Harris, David Nevin presented a very good self-defense theory in his opening statement. He's like, hey, Mm Self-defense. It's basically it, right? Um, Jerry Spence, the one that we were talking about, who is our badass of the day, concluded the opening statements um, and personalized Randy to the jury, seeking to invoke empathy and painted a very compelling picture of Randy as a loving and devoted family man striving to protect his family to lead a peaceful life.
0: Yeah. Okay. Good.
1: Where do you think this is going to go? How do you think it's going to end up?
0: Oh my gosh. Honestly... I don't have the faintest clue. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> Understandable. It, it, you're up, I mean, we're up, up against such a, uh, interesting foe in the courtroom here, the government, right? So it's Yeah.
0: Like, like I feel, I mean, I, I know the way I want it to go, but I feel like it probably won't go that way. I mean, I want Randy to, to be. Acquitted? Not, yeah. Like not guilty or whatever. But Fair
1: enough. Okay. I
0: feel like that it would be way too good to be true.
1: Yeah. Well, um, there is a whole lot surrounding this case. Um, One of the things that was happening quite frequent was uh, the government was actually hiding evidence and only bringing it (laughs) up when it benefited them. And all the stuff needs to be on the fucking table. Right. Yeah. So they would frequently be like, actually this thing. And then they're like, what the fuck is this? Like we need to have all this out in the open. So that was a very, Uh, That's
0: dirty. It is.
1: It was a very frequent and dirty thing that they were doing in the court. Um, But the government actually started this case by calling U.S. Marshal Larry Cooper a witness to the death of Agent Deegan and Sammy Weaver, which also tells me right there he was a witness to the death of Sammy Weaver. He saw. He saw. They Mm -hmm. didn't know he was dead. Like, you know, are you fucking kidding me? Clearly you did. Anyways, Cooper testified that Kevin Harris shot Deegan first. Triggering the subsequent exchange of gunfire. He was the first to pull the trigger.
0: Oh my gosh, he's just up there lying. Yep. Like under oath, though. Yep. Okay, that is not all right.
1: Now get this though. In response to a defense request, Cooper appeared in court the second day dressed in the same camouflage uniform that he wore on August 20, 21st, the night of the shootout, and carried the same gun he had that day. So the whole defense. Um, was aimed to make the jurors experience what Kevin and Sammy would have experienced and witnessed. These kids out in the bush see this. Yeah. You're telling me they're not going to try and fight for their life?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and the fact that one of them just killed their dog.
1: Yep.
0: Right? Which, honestly, to anyone is a big deal, but especially a kid, I feel like. Oh, for
1: sure. And, I mean, the dog plays such a big part of this. Um, Like, even during cross-examination, Cooper struggled – He had a silencer on his gun and he struggled to explain like why the silencer actually had been on the gun at all. Um, But he did admit to having orders, orders to lure the dogs away from the Weaver's home and shoot them, removing them from, quote, the outside of the picture.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: So Jerry Spence, our defending attorney, underscored Stryker's role by asking this question, quote, now the dog's biggest crime- was that he was following you. Isn't that true?
0: Yeah, he didn't do anything. No. He didn't do a single thing. No. We don't even know if he would have attacked them.
1: No, we don't.
0: No, yeah, no idea.
1: No, he provoked the dog to come here. And when a dog comes here, you're like, oh shit, I'm going to shoot it? you fucking kidding me?
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Um, another crucial prosecution witness was Agent Fadley. Uh, who was an undercover or sorry, the undercover operative who solicited Randy to modify the shotguns illegal and sell them to mm-hmm. him that we talked about in the first episode. So under cross-examination, uh, Fadley acknowledged the difficulty in persuading Randy into breaking the law. He's like, yeah, it was fuck, it was hard as fuck. Like I really had to like get him to do this. I was damn near begging him, I'm sure. Um, and in a pivotal exchange, Chuck Peterson, Jerry Spence's co-counsel, um, prompted Fadley to admit that he received no payment for his under, he would receive no payment for his undercover work unless there was a conviction.
0: Oh, are you serious?
1: Yeah. Ultimately only like really incentivizing him to persuade Randy by any means necessary. And I mean, that honestly sounds a lot like fucking bribery to me, yeah. in my opinion.
0: That doesn't seem right at all.
1: If you convince him to sell you some shit and we get a conviction out of it, we'll, we'll give you some money.
0: Well, and it just doesn't make any sense either because Randy thought that they were friends, right? Yeah. And like anyone in that situation where you have a friend, someone you care about, like begging you for something and like repeatedly, 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 like you're probably going to cave at some point and like help your fucking friend.
1: So there are certain morals that question here is what to to what degree did they go to really coerce randy into doing this
0: that almost makes me this this whole case almost makes me like emotional because it just doesn't seem
1: oh it's a roller coaster yeah it's everywhere up down and it's it's just nothing but bullshit on the end of the government now closing arguments began on june 15th 1993 and kim lindquist who was leading for the prosecution um, outlined the case's theme for reasons of conviction, asserting that Kevin Harris had murdered Bill Deegan and portraying Vicki Weaver's death as a tragic accident. So he attributed the deaths of Vicki and Sammy to Randy and Kevin and their desire to attack the government. So to quote him, quote, this whole thing is a tragedy, but the cause of the tragedy was the resolve of the Weaver family. And that translates into murder. So he's basically saying Randy and Kevin are the ones who murdered Sammy and Vicky.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: He's saying they're responsible for their deaths.
0: It And it doesn't make any sense though, because the other people are like highly trained. Yes. But yet it was just like an accident. Yes. <laughs> that is so messed up. <laughs>
1: yes. Beyond messed up.
0: Beyond.
1: Like you said, these people are supposed to be... Highly trained. Yeah. Yet they didn't know two targets were downed. They were unable to um, actually coerce these people in a manner that's appropriate. For example, they set a robot with a fucking gun. Mm-hmm. They lied. Taunted them. They changed regulations in order to fire as they please. And they're lying on trial in under oath on the stand.
0: Hmm. Manipulative. I think so. Disgusting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the jury deliberations commenced on Wednesday, June 16th with jurors sequestering in a room with, uh, green walls, institutional green walls, very boring and bland. I'm sure very standard. Um, and they were shielded from, of course, the outside world and any sort of, um, forces or anything like that. I'm trying to think mm. of a word, um,
0: to sway them kind of thing. persuasion.
1: Yeah, yeah there, there we go. go. Any persuasion on yeah. one way or another, uh, Television trucks were filling the parking lots and reporters anxiously awaited any updates and were ready to go at any moment. 13 tension-filled days later, on June 29th, a juror suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder and a chronic heart condition would no longer be able to continue serving the jury, which led to their replacement by an alternate. And now the jury needed to start from the beginning with their deliberations and they promptly requested to review the entrapment evidence once again. So finally, that leads us to July 8th, where the jury had finally reached their verdict. The packed and silent courtroom witnessed an emotional moment as the verdicts were read. Randy Weaver and Kevin Harris, overwhelmed with emotion, embraced each other upon hearing the findings. Randy Weaver... Was acquitted of all charges except for failure to appear in court and committing a crime while on bail release. Kevin Harris was completely acquitted of all charges. When a deputy mentioned taking Kevin back to jail for processing, his attorney, Nevin, firmly stated, The hell you will, he's going out the front door with me. And that's exactly what happened. Kevin Harris left that courtroom that day holding his mother's hand out the front door
0: oh my gosh that literally gave me goosebumps i'm shocked yeah because i i don't know i feel like what i was worried is that the jury would almost worry about saying that they weren't guilty the
1: repercussions yeah. yeah
0: like because it's the government what the fuck are they gonna like they could attack them or like, I thought some of them might be afraid kind of thing.
1: No, that's, that's a very reasonable response. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not like people haven't been claiming to have been stalked or harassed by the government before. Yeah. So.
0: Whoa. Okay. I mean, I'm shocked, but in the best of ways. But that's
1: what you were after. We talked about it at the very beginning. You're like, yeah, you want to be acquitted of all charges. Uh I'm not guilty. And I mean, he's not acquitted of all, but yeah. Uh, so like his whole acquittal, of course, is relief, but the conviction was bittersweet because he did actually have to return to jail. Um, Judge Lodge dismissed the second conviction ultimately, as it had been proven that Randy committed no crime during the siege. Um, but he was sentenced to be between eighteen and twenty-four months for failure to appear in court, which is oh,
0: when dang. he had that uh, yeah. thing
1: earlier in last episode. So, having already served fourteen months, he was now set to be released uh, sometime before Christmas and indeed in december 20 sorry december of 1993 he finally regained his freedom and he promptly flew to iowa to be with his daughters and spend their heartfelt christmas together oh my goodness in the aftermath of the trial in august of 1994 randy weaver filed a lawsuit for wrongful deaths of sammy and vicky weaver the case settled before trial so it didn't even go to court for three point two million dollars in August of nineteen ninety five. However, the government refuses to acknowledge any wrongdoing in the event whatsoever. But they paid out three point five before trial. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they they know they did some shit wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: um, Kevin Harris also filed a lawsuit, which was settled for four hundred and thirty-eight thousand hmm. dollars. Gary Spence, who represented Randy, as I mentioned, free of charge, was granted exclusive rights by the Weavers to tell his story.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow.
1: After the trial, the US Senate appointed a special commission to investigate the incident at Ruby Ridge, and what followed was a very comprehensive 500-page document Reporting the government agents wrong during during wrongdoing. Sorry, during the siege. So I mean, they say they did no wrongdoing, but there's a document from the the government saying, "Yeah, you fucked up."
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, lastly, astonishingly enough, Lonnie Hirochi, the sniper responsible for Vicki Weaver's death, faced no punishment in the aftermath. Although he was initially charged with involuntary manslaughter and was being brought to trial, a new prosecutor. Uh, elected to fire the special prosecutor and dismiss the case against him entirely. So he never spent a day in jail. He retained his job and he did not lose a single day's pay for murdering a woman holding her 10-month child mm-hmm. as she tried to hold the door open for her family who was fleeing from a barrage of bullets. That is the Ruby Ridge incident.
0: Wow. Way to end on a shit note there.
1: <laughs> I know, right? <sighs> it was a rough case. It was a rough one to, to research, but it was, I don't know. It was very different and it it made my stomach churn. It wasn't like it was, uh, I don't know. It, there's some grotesque, disgusting shit that happens in this world, especially when it comes to murders and a lot of these uh, trials and, and convictions that we go through. But this one, it's just... I don't know. It's different in a lot of ways because the the government is supposed to be there to help you Mm
0: -hmm. and they did
1: everything but help them.
0: It's scary. It is. Yeah. Because I I feel, oh my gosh. I mean, you could get yourself in that situation and there's like, there was almost no way out for him. No, there There wasn't. wasn't.
1: No, he was surrounded. He was pinned down. He was shot at. He was just screwed up. Well,
0: over. they were just eating pancakes for breakfast. Like, good God.
1: Could you imagine being sitting there grieving the death of your wife who you cannot even take outside? The death of a loved one's just the person's laying there on the floor, as you said, decomposing. Uh-huh. And there's speakers under your house being like, Hey, we had pancakes for breakfast today. What'd you eat? What'd you eat, Vicky?
0: You know, honestly, I am sometimes like a little bit hot headed. And I
1: Sometimes you don't say. <laughs> Not a lot of people know that, but I'm married to you. Trust me. I know.
0: I would actually have handled things a lot differently than Randy. So I honestly feel like he did a very good job. Oh, he did. Because I would have lost my motherfucking mind.
1: I could see you going like full (laughs) fucking Rambo, tying a like (laughs) bandana around your head, war paint, knifing your teeth, crawling through the fucking trees.
0: And it would still be because of my dog. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, but the, the dog and then now the son and like the wife and stuff. But it's just like, I feel like I would have just gone on a fucking rampage.
1: Understandably. But, <laughs> but then I think I mean, a lot of people would have.
0: You're also it's hard to say, too, because you're like really mourning deaths and stuff, too. And then you have your own like your family. He he was the only parent figure at that moment. Right. Yeah.
1: I think a lot of the, the reason why Randy kept as cool of a head as he did was he knew that if he gave in, if he shot at them, if he went out there, he knew it would have been used against him. And mm-hmm. they they were already trying to use things against him. The radio was already yeah. saying how he murdered a U.S. marshal.
0: And he wanted to be there for his family because like, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. It, yeah.
1: Anything he did would have just given him more ammunition against him and his family, like you're saying.
0: He's smart. He is. Yeah, he was thinking. Yeah, hmm. two steps ahead. Yeah, wow. What a story. This is just like bizarre
1: yeah you can thank joe rogan for me hearing this story actually i was cruising instagram and there was a clip of him on his podcast talking to someone about the ruby ridge incident and i was like the what now and i gave it a quick google and i was like the fuck
0: yeah i know i don't i don't necessarily feel satisfied
1: (laughs) no right now (sighs) well i think there should be some satisfaction in knowing that there was charges that were acquitted and there was lawsuits filed and they did get Some money in return, though. I'm not saying money is in any way, shape or form a retribution for the lives that were lost, but it's something to help you move on. And not only that, it's so fucking good knowing that they didn't try fighting it because they know Mm -hmm. fucking wrong.
0: Well, yeah, they know
1: what they fucking did
0: when something doesn't go to court and like it's paid out beforehand. There's reasons.
1: Yeah. Very so, big reasons. Yeah. So anyways, hopefully you guys enjoyed this two parter. Uh, we got some more one parters coming for you soon. We did a, a two parter recently and now this one. So we're going to stick to some one parters here for a little bit before we do another one. So give you guys a bit of a breather with that. But if you want to check out some of our socials, all the links are down below. We're very active on YouTube. Now we got Patreon. We're doing some stuff over there. Get the exclusive behind the scenes and extra content, like the extra episode at the end of the month, every mm-hmm. time. So you can go check all that out.
0: Good job. Thank you. I appreciate that. Good job on this one. You did really good.
1: It was interesting. I know I say that about so many cases, but it's like interesting is such a word that can describe so many of these in so many different ways. And that's exactly what this is. Very interesting, intriguing, and fucking sad. Mm -hmm. So sad. But anyways, my emotions are beside the point. We'll talk to you guys next time. And until then.
0: Stay wicked.